Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, this is Josh Marshall, and this is the Josh Marshall Podcast. I, I, I feel like history is coming at us really fast right now, um, you know, and 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 uh, not in altogether good ways. Although I guess there's there's uh, it, it, some of the stuff depends on sort of who you are. Uh, but we had we had the Nevada caucus uh, last Saturday, which I guess is only what four or five days ago, right? Um, which has you know we had these three successive contests that uh you know pushed the conventional wisdom about what is happening in the democratic primaries you know over decisively or overwhelmingly in one direction towards bernie sanders and uh now we have this south carolina contest coming up in what three three days That's right saturday evening. and then super tuesday coming right after this, this sort of 72 hour critical 72 hours uh so and then you know at the same time we've got uh, president trump kind of just you know unchained I and mean, not that he was chained to start with right but like there seems to be no limit on how right. on how on 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 how much he can be un- unchained and right. we have this this uh you know what's really seems like a global uh pandemic now of this of this virus and all these things are happening at once and it is just it's it's uh it's very intense and obviously yeah. they they are kind of colliding with each other um in as much as as president trump's unchainedness and weirdness is is a uh, kind of you know overlapping now with uh, you know these kind of, I mean yesterday it was bizarre where you had I don't think she's the head of the C- CDC uh, the, this woman who is one of the top infectious disease experts at the CDC basically said look this is going to come to the United States and we need to be ready and it may be rough and we just have to be ready a very um, you know n- not a terribly welcome thing to hear but this is the kind of thing that that uh, the experts and the and the and the relevant officials need to do, and at the same time, you have President Trump saying, "Nope, nope, I'll just buy more stock." <laughs> yeah, 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 and, and yeah, not just, not just, uh, basically saying we got it covered. Hermetic, you know, kind of like it's yeah, all great. Larry, Larry Kudlow saying it's basically airtight, right? right? But but also clearly, like I saw uh, there there this one. You know, you have Kudlow say, "Hey, buy in the dip." And I'm like, dude, <laughs> what are you talking about? I mean, first of all president's top economic advisor is not supposed to, it's not supposed to be like squawk box where you're saying hey this is a buying opportunity like that's just not but also kind of like dude like personally i really don't care that much if like stock market goes down two or three percent i mean this is like a real right i mean no better way to 
you know, show the humanity of your administration than to be like, and all our thoughts are on the stock market. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and right. you can see that, that, that at, at a basic, I mean, no president, no administration is going to be indifferent to the, to the potential political consequences of a crisis like this. Um, but not even pretending. <laughs> You're kind of like, dude, my reelection is on the line here and we got to, you know, just it's it's yeah. it's it's and, wild and all stuff. the ill effects that flow from that. Right. Like you, if you start denying the severity of the uh, of the pandemic or the public health threat and, and you start thwarting people from taking steps to alert the public in order to avoid panic, but also to avoid any adverse political consequence. You just, you just open up such a weird spot that, you know, that I don't even know how you recover from that. Totally. Right? Well, and the one, like the one kind of saving grace in what I was at least seeing yesterday was that the, the sort of governmental bureaucracy seemed to be, you know, there's two tracks. You've got sort of Trump's like, it's awesome. And the stock market has never been better. Like a, it's clearly not awesome. You know, it's not like everybody's going to die, but it's not awesome. It's a real issue. And also like, dude, enough with the stock market. And then you've got the sort of uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services. It was Alex Azar. Yep. Okay. Uh, you know, saying the right things, kind of like, hey, we got to be prepared. You're, you know, you're not going to, this isn't, you know, country isn't a Ziploc bag. It's, you can't seal it off. Yep. And you got this woman at the CDC saying this stuff. And so I was like, I was mildly heartened that they're just ignoring him. Like but tonight, tonight they collide because he's going to yeah. a press conference yeah. six o'clock Eastern at the White House with both Trump and the CDC officials. So there, there is no way to reconcile those two channels in the same room at the same time. So which gives? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we should just make a note for our listeners that. Uh, Smart and soothing new voice you're hearing is our executive editor, David Kurz. Glad you Thank could join you. us today. Thank you. Great to be here. Yes. My sense, I mean, you know, predictions are meaningless, but, you know, this is coming right uh, ahead of the 6.30 p.m. nightly newscast, right? My sense is that they want to get some message out to be obviously like played on the nightly news. So I don't know. My hope and maybe assumption is that it'll be sort of more of a normal kind of thing or a, but I don't know. I mean, uh, I mean, there's nothing normal about the president and the CDC being together. You keep them separate for a reason. Yeah, right? so exactly. Because he's not an do, expert. He's yeah, not an he's, expert. Yeah. And he's, he's got his thumb on the scale already and he will continue to have his thumb on the scale tonight. Like the very existence of this combo is the problem. Right. So it, I don't it, think it's going to be normal in any sense it's, of the word. It's really true. If you think about any other, I mean, Unfortunately, we don't have this is, right. you know, kind of but an unprecedented is the best example. Right? Exactly. You don't like, like you the just... president just says like, hey, we've got, you know, we've got good people on the case and we're going to get through this together. The president is, I mean, he's, let alone. This is going to be like drawing the, the Sharpie on Alabama tonight right. is basically what we're going to get. But, yeah. You know, as I was thinking of that as well. And while it was kind of funny or odd it was you know there was a real existential threat that people who were listening to trump and not listening to you know the adults in the room that are in this situation are going to be like well it's not going to hit us because we voted for him so you know that's that it it is it is fun and again sort of like you know the political consequences at a base like kind of who cares right this is a this is a, a life and death thing and it's it needs to be taken very seriously I, I was wondering, though, like the stuff he was saying yesterday was so was just so ridiculous. It made I mean, even by Trump standards, I couldn't help but think that even his supporters would be like, dude, you, you know, I mean, because, again, 
stock. I mean, he kind of you know owns the stock market, Joe stock market, um, and certainly among uh, disproportionate support for people who see through that, you know, kind of exclusively through that uh, lens. And you just see like, nope, you know, no, no one's listening to you, dude. Not, not, you know, clearly like, to, you know, right. if, if you believe in like, you know, uh, the predictive power of markets, everybody's saying no way. Like <laughs> right. that, what you were saying is ridiculous. And um, that's right. Because yesterday was the second day of a pretty big sell off. Yeah. And there's, so and, and it, it came after the exhortation to buy low. Yeah. It, it, it kept going down. It, right? it, exactly. It's sort of like usually kind of like, you know, big drop. And there's some people kind of trying to get back in the next day. Like, nope, big drop again. <laughs> um, I mean, I hope you're right that even Trump supporters are like, oh, this is, this is beyond the pale. This is crazy. But I mean, I think what we know is that communication around these kind of public health issues mm-hmm. in the same way that communication around weather threats is super difficult. There's all these sociological and statistical difficulties associated with uh, trying to communicate yeah, complex no. issues to a broad audience. And if you've got the president of the United States in channel conflict with CDC, with local authorities, with medical experts, I mean, it's just going to create no ab- tangible... Absolutely. Well, and not to mention that, you know, it started in China and we have a president who does not bulk from lumping, you know, a ton of people together, whether that be because of nationality or ethnicity or whatever. So I don't also think that the idea that he could be like steer clear of anyone who looks of Asian descent is like beyond the pale of something he could at least allude to at some point in this process. No, absolutely. And and it it. you know, look. It clearly, uh, it 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 seems. I mean, what 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 the officials are talking about when they talk about you know community spread is that at a certain point, it's not a matter of just kind of trying to kind of keep people out of the country or screen them. That it's already moving in the country, and at right. that point, everything is 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 kind of different. Um, but it it you know it has always been a reality that in times of great public fear. People, you know, outsiders. That that is that is part of the human condition, um, and uh, people people get scared in 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 these kind of situations. And it is certainly true that I mean, look, the, what the the most effective thing that public health advocates um, advocate is what they call social uh, social distancing. Basically, the, the pretty obvious stuff. Don't be physically really close to a lot of people. Um, wash your hands. Wash right. your hands. You know, work from home. Just you know, little distance, right? To kind of slow, you know, slow transmission down. That is, you know, th- that kind of bleeds over into stay away from me, right? So there's there's it's a there's a there's a lot of stuff that um, people are prone to in you know, frightening situations, scary situations. And they happen to be the kind of things that Donald Trump exactly. loves to exploit. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it is a, it's a serious situation regardless. Um, so far, you've got the opposite problem where you've got him saying, it's awesome. We've, 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 we're on top of this. We've solved it. And I, I take your point. And I'm certainly not saying that like, you know, kind of diehard Trump supporters like, oh, I'm done with this guy. I mean, I, I suspect it's more kind of whatever. They don't care what he says and they just uh, – but it is it is also true that it is, you know, his prediction is a lot more fun, 
right? I mean, it, it, let's hope it doesn't it doesn't get you know um, more serious, and maybe we'll get lucky. So, but there's obviously a not only does he have the big megaphone, but it's you want to listen to the person who's saying something good, yeah, right? right? Right. And it is also true that we at least do not know yet that there is sort of internal spread in the United States. We've been I kind of, I think all but fourteen cases in the U.S. are from the cruise ship. Yeah, that was evacuated, and, and right? other people repa- yeah, repatriated, right. which you know sort of kind of doesn't count in terms of like you, you know, know spreading. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Um, yeah. Well, before we move on, should yeah. we take care of a little bit of business? Yeah. Yeah. Let me let's uh, talk about. Remember that uh, Grady's Cold Brew Ice Coffee is the sponsor of the Josh Marshall Podcast. Uh, are you a do-it-yourselfer or a brew-it-yourselfer? So is Grady's Cold Brew. You asked, and they delivered. Brew yourself with Grady's New Orleans-style coarse-ground coffee blend, designed to work in any cold or hot coffee maker. One bag makes 24 servings of Grady's Cold Brew exactly the way you want it. Order online and receive 16 ounces of their famous blend of 100% Arabica beans and French chicory in a resealable pouch for long-lasting freshness. Ready to give it a swirl? Get 20% off your first order at Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code TPM. Or you can order Grady's on Amazon.com for next day delivery. So I wanted to talk a little bit, like you said, Josh, about the state of the race, about the debate last night. And also, Josh, you've been publishing some interesting emails from readers kind of about the surge of Sanders and and what that all means. So give me just your impression of the debate last night. Anything jumps out to you kind of a day after? Well, we were all sort of discussing that it was sort of like a mess as a debate. Um, And I agree. I mean, it was, there were a lot of things with it. One was, one was that the questions were bad. That was just a kind of a starter. A lot of the questions were these sort of baiting questions that like, like and not was, bad for particular candidates per se. Exactly. But just like coming at it from a well, there was gotcha the, sort of how can we create a TV moment? It, here. Exactly. There was one like the one thing that I, I think the only like a few candidates brought it up. But the only time that the coronavirus thing came up as a question was, uh, what is it, Margaret Brennan? Is that her name? The, yeah. the, the CBS uh, anchor of the Sunday show asked. Uh, Amy Klobuchar, like, I believe the question was, if would you prevent American citizens from coming back to the United States if it if that was a way to kind of you know uh, stop the spread of the virus? Well, that's not really one of the that's operative the questions, yeah. and so it's it's really just meant to kind of like ah, you're banning, are, are you gonna? It's and again, it doesn't get at any real issue. It's just supposed to kind of throw you off guard and make you say, uh, you know, all this kind of stuff. And there were a lot of questions like that. I mean, the his, worst was the one to Bernie about, you know, what, why are the Russians supporting you? Right? Yeah, yeah. Not, it's not really even what. That's not the issue. Yeah, yeah. It's not exactly what the reporting is. I mean, it just it invites a simplicity and a, and it puts him on the spot in a way that doesn't even let the other candidate jump in because they don't. Know, I mean, even Buttigieg was just like, oh, well, that's not exactly. Well, didn't right. didn't didn't Bloom. Bloomberg go there first. He did. Go he there. did. Yeah, right? that was kind of right. early on, right? Yeah, which yeah. was also that was the time I was like, I like that's like, <laughs> right. like, like, wow, that's like <laughs> you right. just want. There kind are of, fair questions there. That's probably not. The yeah, right question. yeah, that's yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, bad questions. A lot of uh, tisk tisking about going over time and stuff, and just everybody attacking. A lot of every, crosstalk. Yeah, yeah, a lot of crosstalk. I mean, to me though. They only matter as kind of like, is this gonna is this gonna have a dynamic effect on the race? And so I I kind of, I wouldn't say I liked it, but there was a lot there that made me 
think like, okay, is this person doing something that's going to affect things? So in that sense, it's it felt very, there were a lot of things that happened that I thought could have a significant impact on Saturday and therefore on the following Tuesday. By that sense, it was sort of like good in the sense that there was a lot for me to think about, I guess. I have so many qualms about that, though, after the Nevada debate where, you know, everyone who watched was like Warren, you know, kicked butt and made the case of how, you know, competent she is and ripped Bloomberg to shreds and everything. And basically no poll movement after right. that and her Nevada finish. I mean, there had already been a lot of early voting there, so we might not see it till a delayed effect. But, you know, she got a fundraising bump for sure, which she needed. I mean, that was anemic at that point. But still, I mean, I kind of expected people to come out of that and be like, oh, any of my doubts about Warren are laid to rest and I'm back on the Warren boat. And that like hasn't really seemed to happen, at least yet. I, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, th- th- this is why, again, these things only matter in the context of things that are potentially in play. And in South Carolina, the th- the, there's really one issue, I think. I mean, I don't think Bloomberg is, is even literally on the ballot. No, he's not. literally not on the ballot. Okay. So the real issue is if Sanders wins, which I don't think many people expect, but if he did, that would be just devastating to Biden. And And there's kind of no one else standing in his way. On the other hand, if Biden comes back and has a decisive win, a lo- there's going to be all these kind of, you know, Biden comeback. I think there will be a real sense of like, if you're not comfortable with Bernie Sanders, it's Joe Biden. And that's kind of all there is. So to like, even though I thought Biden did pretty well, I mean, by his debate standards, which aren't great, um, I thought he was pretty solid. Um, I also thought that there were attacks on Sanders that were helpful to anybody who's hoping to kind of give people pause about standards, whether it's substantively, whatever. I mean, there's that but one- the kind of attacks you would expect to see in a general election. Yeah. And and like, the, <laughs> there's one, the funny thing, I mean, anybody who, I, like when I was a teenager, I, subs- <laughs> I subscribed to this little kind of newspaper thing called, not the Guardian we know from the UK, it's like it's it was called the Guardian. It was like a, a lefty weekly in the in, Cal- in the no in the, in the U.S. Okay. Right? Yeah. I was you were so cool. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, but anyway, I remember like when I'm 15 or something. There's like an article like, oh, there's this guy Bernie Sanders, and he's a socialist, and he's mayor of a big city, man. He's going down at the Sandinistas and all this kind of shit. <laughs> and and so there's that point where you know, kind of at some level, like. Fidel Castro died like 40, like who cares? This is ancient history. And yet several people tried to bring it up because that, uh, for all the obvious reasons. And like Sanders, like can't help but saying, but literacy, but but maternal, you know, maternal mortality, you know. uh, Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you're just like, dude, let it go. Let it go. And, but you can kind of tell he, he, they, they kind of baited him into going right. down these these rabbit holes. And I, I do think for a, for a lot of, I mean, again, it brings back like memories for me of kind of like, oh, I've lived in that world. I mm. get it. Like, oh, you know, we, you know, authoritarian, but a lot of, but a lot of benefits, which is true that, 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 that uh, you easy, know, Cuba. Easy, all, easy. Well, <laughs> the, well, this is the thing that, that um, uh, Cuba 
always had, I think still has, pretty good public health system, all the kind of the metrics that everybody cares about, you know, infant mortality and all these kind of things, all good stuff. And But it's like, dude, dude, let it go. Also, like, let why of all that are you going to keep hopping up and down on the literacy thing where there's such an easy comeback of like, yeah, they used it to spread propaganda. Like, why yeah. even take that route in particular? <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 I think there are a lot of Democrats who, whether it is actual discomfort or just kind of like, oh, no, 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 I don't want us to go down that path in November, kind of see like holding on to kind of like still, you know, still relitigating these kind of, again, sort of the kind of conversations that anybody who has been kind of in the left wing milieu in the U.S. is kind of remembers all these things, just like, dude, let it go. It was was interesting too. um, I think, was this the first time Sanders had been kind of audibly booed in a debate? And he kind of had an interesting reaction, right? He was like, really, really? And yeah. I mean, <laughs> which, you know, it's funny. Everybody complained about it, but I thought that was great. Because I don't, I, everybody, there, I guess there were some people saying, oh, it's all Bloomberg. Right. I don't think it was that. I just, there was kind of a, kind of a call and response thing, which I thought was actually kind of, kind of fun. I don't know. So it is fascinating to me how, how many... Democrats have that frame of reference, right? It's older Democrats. It's people that are certainly older than we are, right, Josh? It's not, you know, there's not the Bernie, the youthful Bernie supporters have no recollection of his sort of cozying up to Moscow or cozying up to Havana. That's just like a frame of reference that they just don't even have. And how can you even have significance to them 40 years after the fact, right? But for people who are supporting Biden or, you know, or leery about, I mean, that's, you know, you just kind of go, wow, are we, I think the point was made last night, are we going to, we're going to relitigate the 60s? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Now? Is that what we're going to do to defeat Trump? And, but I think the generational difference there is just vast, right? If you don't have a frame of reference for those callbacks, I mean, what do you do with that? Even, even stuff. Maybe I should ask David and Kate. (laughs) Even stuff like the Sandinistas, which is kind of like, that is just like ancient history. I mean, like ancient, ancient, ancient history. I mean, does that even like... I kind of feel like people are clinging to the Castro thing as a line of debate because it encompasses a greater fear about Sanders, which is that he ascribes to a philosophy that maybe people don't understand all the way. But, you know, what you do know is like socialism feels foreign, you know, and that's what the Fox News angle is always like implicitly. This is an un-American way to be. So then linking him to these like brutalist, you know, regimes, even if they were like long before my time, you know, that just like creates a specter of, oh, look, Sanders again into something that's un-American, that's hard to understand, that's fuzzy and multi-layered kind of thing. I think you're right, David, in that it doesn't cross young people's minds. I think the things that young people obviously respond to about Bernie Sanders are, you know, people my age and Kate's age and kind of in this range, you know, graduated high school or college kind of in the wake or in the middle of the financial crisis have had kind of precarious, you know, economy that they're entering into and crippling student debt, all that kind of stuff, I feel like is front of mind. And, you know, where Bernie went on his honeymoon, who cares? So, yeah. And it's, of, you know? it's almost all of those things, at least to me, are substantively who cares. I mean, even the Moscow honeymoon thing, it's actually during Perestroika. If you actually go and look, I mean, to the extent that any of these things matters, he wasn't going there like the 19, during like the, <laughs> the, the, the purges in like the 1930s and saying, hey, it's awesome here. If you look, he actually is basically saying, hey, they're kind of, you know, they're opening up. And so what he's, it's fine. And all of these things are kind of, are, are I mean, to me, who cares? But I do think um, there's, 
certainly for a lot of people um, who are ha- who have some recollection of that, all that stuff, you're sort of like, wait, 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 <laughs> this is Donald Trump versus like the Democrats, and we got to get like, dude, don't wh- what is wh- why are you go- why getting into that? Well, I also think the fact that these attacks clearly lack in substance, though. Maybe doesn't even necessarily matter as long as they exacerbate an existing fear about the person. Because, I mean, if you look at Hillary's email stuff, right, obviously there was no meat to it. And we found out in countless stories sense of, you know, Ivanka, et cetera, using their personal email. So clearly that didn't matter. But that exacerbated fears that she was secretive and closed off. And, you know, of course, that was really, you know, ran with by Trump and co. But I think the reason why that attack was so sticky, even though it didn't really matter, is that people already felt like she was very insular and had this like weird, you know, internal cabal in Washington kind of thing. And then that's why I think maybe the Castro stuff will have more staying power with Sanders because, you know, he's an independent. He doesn't do things normally. He's an outsider. Like, and if people are worried about that on the Democratic side, this I kind of tying him to weird foreign things. I think might be more effective, even if substantively his point was more nuanced or. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're even, I mean, again, it's not, it's not even so much that they're nuanced, although that's part of it is that again, if you've ever been in that milieu, which a lot of us have, I certainly have kind of like, yeah, the lefty who's still kind of talking about that, that this or that in Cuba, like dude, been there, done that. I know that conversation. I don't think those people are, are secret authoritarians. It's just kind of part of that world here's what i think is actually where there is where there is something more like substance beneath this and it's this it's not to do with these different you know revolutionary governments and stuff it's that um i'm sorry sorry. this is what we're talking yeah it's it's, (laughs) It's insane exactly um i mean it's a function of having you know three of the major candidates be 70 plus years old basically yeah Yeah. Yeah. so it's, it's similar in you know, was it a, a fair substantive attack to go back to what Biden said about busing in the 70s? I mean, maybe it's just, it's what Biden said about, but it says a lot more about the 70s than it yeah. does about Biden. This says a lot more about lefties in the 60s and 70s than it does about Sanders. But it's also kind of helpful information to know where he was at that yeah, exactly. time. And, 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 if you, about, and if you're right? like closer to 100 yeah. than, than right. most voters, right. then it's... And it's, you're just going to have this incredibly long track record. I mean, in Biden, you know, last night he made a Fritz Hollings call out. I don't know if you caught that. Yeah. But I, I asked staff, like, any of you guys have any have idea who that it? is? And of course nobody knows who that is. I mean, it's South Carolina, so yeah. he only died a year ago. So yeah, some people down there will know. But it's, I mean, it's like, what the hell, right? Well, he, you know, it, the funny thing is Fritz Hollings is a kind of a funny example because, funny example, uh, <laughs> a, a, a Democrat, you know, ran for president, I think in the 80s, whatever, you know, uh, strong, a lot of good vibes uh, with, with Democrats in South Carolina and African-American Democrats, but early in in he this is this is a guy who had like a, a 50 year political career he was one of the governors who was one of the massive resistance pro segregationist gov- governors now he made a switch pretty quickly you know and one of those people who said you know what this has to change was one of the also kind of a key person who shifted things in that you know in that state but it's but a complicated he was history a, yeah, yeah he was a segregate you know, so not just he like strom he, thurmond were the two south carolina ex- senators for longer than any other exactly, two senators exactly. from a single state not just he had friends who was he was one right. 
right. you know, so kind of like history's weird. Um, but here's the thing I, I think with Sanders, and that is, and and it, it is, th- this is one of the things that I find um, that is, is most challenging for, for me to navigate with readers is that m- most uh, Sanders supporters this, I mean, disproportionately young, but certainly not all young. And this is a movement about about real change, about social solidarity, about do we really have to put up with all these things that are fucked up? Can we not really try to change things in, in, a, um, in a better way? And that is really powerful. It's powerful with a lot of people. It's especially powerful generationally with people, say, under 35. Um, the problem with that electorally is that the Democratic Party is a coalition in a way the Republican Party is not. The Republican Party is a much more unified, um, coherent party. Lots of different kind of people you need to bring together uh, for a Democrat to win. And you have a lot of people who are really gunned up about Trump. You know, a lot of kind of disproportionately uh, more educated women uh, in suburbs and stuff like this who are like, this Trump thing is effed up. We have to turn it back. Sanders is bringing in this kind of like, you know, talk about, you know, the political revolution, but more generally, we want to change the whole political economy. Okay, that's a, that is a, that is an additional big question. And a lot of those people um, who the Democrats majority, the new majority in the House was kind of based on a lot of those new seats. That dramatic changes to the political economy question is at least a question that they're not focused on. It is that is a kind of a new different question. And so that's really the issue there. Do you you know, I think um, there are a lot of good arguments that politically you want to make this a referendum on Trump. And that is a good place to be because Trump is unpopular. Do you want to make it like Trump versus kind of like social democracy and and a kind of, you know, you know, or or all the way to the other. (coughs) Do you want to make it a referendum on Sanders or do you want to make it a referendum on? Yeah, yeah, it it is. Yeah, which is is exactly what the Trump campaign will attempt to do. I mean, and emotionally, you know, on the Democratic side, it's also do we want another change election with Sanders and the new political economy or do we want things to go back before Trump was introduced into the ecosystem, which is, I think, you know, a future that Biden more represents the, the let's make America calm again yeah. and boring yeah. again. Yeah. And yeah. Sanders is coming in here, you know, while everything is so messed up, let's just light it down and start from the beginning to begin with. Yeah. And that, that really, and, and look, there are a lot of people, not necessarily all Sanders supporters, but I think Sanders supporters generally believe this. A lot of people believe this, and there's good reason to believe it, that you may not just be able to kind of turn back the clock. I mean, you certainly can't just turn back the clock and pretend this never happened. We are in a different place now. We need new, you know, need new strategies, all this kind of stuff that and and it is true that that to a significant extent, or at least he can be seen this way and sometimes is kind of presenting this, that Biden's just saying, man, I will make it go back. I will make it go back to when things were kind of normal. 
Um, and many people who are disproportionately Sanders supporters, but again, not only Sanders supporters, are kind of like, you can't go back, and we don't even want to go back, because what what we had uh, before, you know, January 2017 was really not great, and it also, I mean, I had a post about this, which kind of gets into these questions, but somehow it left us with Donald Trump. So going back is not good enough. And so that's, you know, you get into these very different senses of what of what you're trying to accomplish and what the best way well, is to do that. And that underlying question is not a small thing, because by the same token of Biden's kind of glossing over what we used to have in this sparkling era of like bipartisanship, you know, Sanders at the same time is promising revolution without talking about the massive structural obstacles to getting what he wants. And of course, he's not going to go out in a stump speech and be like, Medicare for all, anyone have any ideas of how we're going to get that through Congress, you know? Well, you know, one one of the funny things that came up in, you know, coming into the uh, Nevada caucus, when there was a lot about this culinary union, which is the sort of the big union in, in Las Vegas, and that they were not were not willing to support Sanders because of this 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 you know kind of debate about Medicare for all and they've got a good plan and all that kind of stuff, and one of the funny things was is there were a number of very high high profile Sanders supporters like on Twitter saying, "Come on, Medicare for all is not going to happen." Yep. So get a, get off it, man! Don't don't not support Bernie because of this. And a lot of us, and I'll put myself in this category, like what? That's a little channel. Conflict. Yeah, you've turned, you, you've sort of like you you've polarized the entire party over this this kind of core issue. Which, which again, is not going to certainly not going to happen in the next four years because Democrats will be lucky even to have majorities in Congress, let alone the sort of the super majorities you would need to 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 do to have that. So, <laughs> yeah. So if I mean, if Biden wins South Carolina, as we expect, do you who do you imagine? I guess we'll kind of get out. Will people start to get out of the race? Then do you think will Klobuchar start to fall off? Will I mean, I guess Steyer can stay in as long as he really wants, but um, how does that shake things up? I, I mean, think Super Tuesdays. I'm no, sorry to interrupt, but Super Tuesdays win the washout. It's just the, right. the, the time between the two is so yeah. short. Right. And you just kind of want to see how you play. Because I think everyone still has in mind that, you know, maybe I just hold on to these delegates until July and we'll kind of see how things play out. I don't, I don't think that's likely to happen if Sanders is emerging as the dominant. But I just don't think South Carolina, except for Biden, if Biden crashes, then maybe he decides that staying in Super Tuesday is a bad move for the party at some level. But I think everybody else just is like, they, they got to roll all the way through Tuesday. I do think you, you hit the thing on the head, though, the, the bad for the party thing, because a, a lot of people argue that, you know, Klobuchar, Buttigieg, people who seem to have a pretty distinct ceiling at this point. I mean, staying in, putting aside the Bloomberg question, staying in is hurting one person right now, and that's Joe Biden. And, you know, to some degree, I think there is a question of if you're a more moderate person, I don't know. Can you put a can you put aside the ego of thinking you're the best person for the job? I to think be the like, answer is no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as, a, as a purely factual question, right. but I think the issue the issue in in that short term sense is less whether people drop out, as you could have a, certain people support just kind of zero out pretty quickly, right. because if like let's again let's say Biden does really well, say 40% win, right? Decisive win, not just beating, but but decisive win. You're going to have all those kind of, oh, you know, Biden, he was down, but not all that kind of stuff. And it will pretty clearly seem like there are two candidates 
who could be the nominee. There's Joe Biden and there's Bernie Sanders. And if people are thinking in those terms, I think it is quite likely that a lot of Klobuchar and Buttigieg supporters will say, like, this is a binary choice and I'm going to switch. And you could see um, even pretty quickly a lot of that a lot of that support just kind of, you know, zero out quickly. And maybe, you know, and if that happens, then like a week after Super Tuesday, you may have That's people right. dropping out. I don't so think it'll happen quick enough to see it on Super Tuesday, but I think you'll you'll start to see the effects after that, right? The the, the time frame just between yeah. South Carolina and Super Tuesday is so short. Right? I, I will say though, I I I do think again, people aren't gonna drop out. But I think you could, I think the polling numbers could could move a little more quickly than we think because because um, you were making the point in the blog before we came on right that if Biden does win decisively that could there's a few days where he could try to capitalize on that before Super Tuesday maybe give another boost and, and again it's not a lot of that is not even so much about Biden it you know again it it it, it Certainly what Biden wants to do is to get this to a binary choice between him and Bernie Sanders. Everybody everybody understands that. Um, and I, I don't get – I mean certainly there is no scenario where any time in this entire process where Bernie Sanders is going to drop below 20 percent. I mean that is – you know, that is – it is a genuine political movement. Um Bloomberg, little, it's less clear. Just the money is 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 has that big effect. Um, Elizabeth Warren is a movement in her own way, but obviously it has not been anywhere near as 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 uh, as stable. But I don't think, at least, that like Amy Klobuchar or Pete Buttigieg or certainly Tom Steyer are are like people are like. I I just it's a it's it's in my bones, man. For Pete, I just I I do not think that really exists. So, so. so what would 1988 you hearing <laughs> that the binary choice in 2020 was Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders have just lost your mind? Uh, you know, by 1988, <laughs> I was actually kind of conservative. So, so it's a whole different question. Um, I, it's funny. I actually, I, I didn't decide. I went into the voting booth in 1988, not sure who I would vote for. And I decided in the wow. I think this in this the, podcast the has been worth it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, so. yeah, yeah. But but even aside from what your uh, odd political leanings yeah. may have been mm-hmm. in 1988, I mean those two still around 32 years later, right? I mean, imagine 32 years from now, we're in what you know 2052, and it's a binary choice between Mary, Mayor Pete and I mean, I'm trying to think like of Cory Booker. Booker, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, that would, yeah, yeah. That would just. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Kind of would make you wonder about the state of no, U.S. It's, politics, it's, right? It, well, it's all, you know, you kind of. I always. It's always helpful to me to transpose it onto different eras. It gives me a, a feeling for the time span. It would be sort of like if you had, um, say, someone uh, you know who's running against Woodrow Wilson, right during during uh, world just before World War One, and he was like a general in the Civil War. Right. I mean, that actually is the kind of the time span we're talking about, like 50, you know, basically 50 years. That's right. Um, Do you think that just speaks to the Democratic bench is not super deep? Right. And that during the Obama years at the local and state level, Democrats just kind of getting demolished, that there isn't that feeder system? I think it's because we have a very distinct idea of who we think a president is and what they look like. And I think it's really hard to shatter those beliefs. I mean, look at the difficulty like a Kamala Harris had, you know, I just think people really have set in their minds that our presidents are older white men. And it's really hard to convince people 
even after Obama, like I'm the one who's going to convince people otherwise, especially this year when people are so afraid of Trump and so risk averse in general. I I, I think I th- that is definitely part of it. It is not a totally satisfying explanation for me of why, again, these guys are all almost 80 years old. That's that is that is I mean, that, that r- defies historical. That norms. is so far yeah. out. Of well, is any... it just because there's nobody in between, though? But I that, mean, Buddha judge is so young. But see, that's the thing. You had Cory Booker. You had Kamala Harris. You had a lot of people who I thought would be great nominees, frankly. And by all the standard checklists, like, why did Cory Booker not do better? That's the real question. Because yeah. Kamala Harris has the, you know, maybe Hillary backlash fear working against her. But Cory Booker, you can't say, you know, a young, handsome black man can't be president because he just was. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah. So it, it, there's... Um, it is. It is certainly there. There is certainly the issue of, and it's come up explicitly in this race. And it's not just men who think this. There are a lot of women who worry. Like, I'm not sure this country will, you know, will vote for a woman against Donald Trump. There's there's all sorts of um, fears there. Um, so that is a hundred percent part of it but again yeah, there I, were other p- younger people and and, and again it's and not the republican side too right i mean trump's what? trump's ancient by yeah. you know, by, by any standards, historical right? standards so but again like the boomers just won't let go but <laughs> even you know the thing is is right? that even but there is we know we all know from life experience there's a big difference between being 70 and being 80 right and and trump was about 70 when he was elected i guess he's maybe 73 now or 72 these guys are close and like, but Nancy Pelosi, Steny Hoyer, Jim Clyburn, the big mocker down in down in South Carolina with his thing. He's also like 78 or 79. All these people are almost 80 years old. And and what's up? <laughs> it's, 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 it, again, it, it, it's not just <laughs> it's Bernie, it's Biden, it's uh, uh, Bloomberg. These are, uh, you know, I mean, you could see Adam Schiff eventually being in the game, right? We've talked about that if Dianne Feinstein doesn't run for reelection, that he would be an obvious candidate for that seat. You could see him winning a Senate seat and then maybe on from there. I don't know. Look, there's lots of people. I mean, there is definitely a bench problem the Democrats have. But where that shows up is is in state house races, in congressional races. There are lots of people in the Senate. Gov, you know, governors who are, you know, younger white men, women. There's lots and lots of people. So it's it's not like there's kind of we got to wait for Adam Schiff to sort of ascend. There's lots of people. Um, it, to Kate's point, the one of the interesting things about Biden being in the race at all was that the reason he was vice president in part was for Obama to allay the concerns exactly, about him exactly. being a younger black dude. And exactly. so it, it sets up this. Well, and not. That, but there's an additional thing. One of the things was that it was treated as a given. This guy is not going to try to run for president because he will be too old. Right. He will be too old. And by any no, by any established definition, he would be too old. 
right? And, and again, that was sort of the Cheney model. This, you know, because the idea was always that you get someone younger, and that's sort of the heir apparent, the next person kind of queued up. Um, and and one of the things with Cheney was everybody knew Cheney's not going to run. He's old. He he's has he has heart conditions. Like Somehow that. he is. You know, God bless him. He's still alive. I mean. Well, but, Bernie Sanders had a heart attack on the campaign trail, and we've moved on. That's another. I mean, that is another totally insane thing. I mean, I. I mean, I do not. You know. God rest his soul. My father died of a heart attack. I do not make. You know, I. This is not. I'm not being jocular about heart attacks. You survive a heart attack when you're in late seventies. Your life expectancy goes way down, and 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 it's it's a thing. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. It's barely even an issue. It happened on the campaign trail. That blows yeah. my mind. And I mean, what one debate ago we had him and Bloomberg like Arguing. going back and forth about their heart stents. And you're just right, like, right, where exactly. are we? Yeah. No, and it's funny. It's certainly true that kind of in any other in any other moment until now. Generally speaking, you don't even get in the game unless you can basically say, dude, I am clean. You know, I'm all healthy. I've never had a, never had a, you know, had a problem. I've, you know, my cholesterol's low. And now you're like, oh, yeah, I've got atrial fibrillation and I've got two stents. <laughs> and I may have had a few heart attacks in my 60s, but like I'm basically good to go. Right. And shut, that's OK. Shut up. You have the same stent I do is not. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. it does, you know, it does make me wonder if the you know vice presidential process will be like way more intensive than we usually see it because you know every single person is going to lead with okay so you're almost 80 who's going to be the who's going to be the heir apparent and 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 look not to be like whatever but but things can happen during the campaign yeah during the campaign and if someone has a health crisis or, you know, we even God saw forbid. Hillary Clinton at the 9-11 memorial. Right? Yeah, which obviously turned out to just yeah. be she had a flu. But which like, was covered more than Bernie Sanders' heart attack, yeah, by sure. the way. But we're in a bad place. <laughs> yeah. Any? Well, we're almost out of time. <laughs> any um, any final thoughts our listeners should be kind of looking out for going into this weekend, going into Super Tuesday? Any any final thoughts? I don't want to piss in everybody's cornflakes, but it's just good to remind ourselves what a crappy way this is to choose a president. Everything from the early state process to the patchwork the states we use to the obscene funding of these campaigns, all of it. It's just it. it and so it becomes more acute, maybe starker when it's such an important election that we've managed not really since these systems were put in place after Watergate to come up with a better way. I mean, we've known this for 40 years. This is right. a bad way to do it. And we are no closer to getting out of this process or this system. And it's a terrible way to choose a president. It's a terrible way to govern. Um, so <clears throat> just- I'm not big, uplifting. <laughs> well, I would, let me, picture, let me add, let me add one thing picture. that obviously if someone is a Sanders supporter, you're liking this process, right? And, and so there's obviously that prism. I think one of the big questions is now, let's assume Sanders is the nominee. Is he just, it's a crowded field, so he's going to start picking up steam and get over 30% and up to 40%? Or is he going to kind of basically win it with like 25% and be kind of a factional candidate? Everybody who wants to be Trump has to hope that that is not the case. That is a bad thing. That is a really not good thing if you basically have kind of a minority nominee or a plurality. And I'm not getting into kind of like, oh, you know, he has 45% of the delegates. But you can win all, you can win, you can win outright with 25% support if you, you know, if uh, that's what's happening right now, right? 
So, um, we're not. All right, so uh, All right. let me just remind everybody, uh, the Josh Marshall Podcast is is sponsored by Grady's Cold Brew Ice Coffee. If you are ready to give it a swirl, get 20% off your first order at Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code TPM. Or order Grady's on Amazon.com for next day delivery. All right, David All right. Kurtz, thanks for joining us. Yep. Thank you. Glad to be here. See thanks, you guys. Later.